welcome, welcome uh, to those who uh, came in after we uh, you know, initially gave our greetings. Thanks uh, for being the church. Um, tomorrow we're starting our Daniel fast, uh, starting our Daniel fast. So for 21 days from the 6th until the 26th, uh, we'll be fasting and we'll be praying. And, and I know it's, it's, uh, it's something that uh, for me, like I really value that, that focused time to seek the Lord and to pray and to uh, self-deny. Um, this week, uh, this time around, uh, our Daniel fast will go right up uh, the week before, uh, a couple of days before Lent, which is pretty cool. And then uh, we'll continue to prepare our hearts for Good Friday and, and, and Resurrection Sunday and things. Uh, Daniel fast is not easy. I don't think unless you're unless you're like a regular vegan, then it might be it'll be easy. It's just basically Daniel fast is life for you. But uh, for the rest of us, it, it, it may not be so. I know so there, there's some people who try to uh, encourage us and say, uh, "How long is a Daniel fast? It's 21 days. Ah, uh, 21 days. That's no problem. At least it's not 40 days." And I think that you know you're right. At least it's not 40 days. That's kind of helpful. But here's the reality. Uh, we still have to go through 21 days of difficulty. You know, so I understand that, yeah, 21 days and it'll be done. But the reality is that those 21 days are not going to be easy. You've heard things like this before. You, hey, how many days left do you have before your semester ends? Ah, oh, I've got five days left. Ah, oh, that's it? No problem. Piece of cake. By this time next week, you'll be done and you'll be free. And yeah, that's supposed to be comforting. But at the same time, they're like, but I've got to go through five days of finals and all-nighters and research papers and all of this stuff in order to get to that place where I can say I'm finally free. So that, that, that promise of, yeah, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. That's great. But at the same time, it sometimes doesn't seem all that helpful because you've actually got to go through, oh, you just got a new baby, Jane and Lawrence. Great. Hey, uh, yeah, how you doing? Oh, you know, we're not getting much sleep. Don't worry about it. Just six more months of that, and you'll be fine. Once you get past the six-month mark, then it's a whole other set of changes, but, but at least you'll be sleeping some. Yeah, that's great to know, but I can't just fast-forward through those six months. I've got to live through them, and the question that I ask as I'm in the midst of that time is, can I just make it through a day? Last week, we talked about the promise that God says, hey, I'm going to give you strength. If you're weary, I'm going to give you strength. And maybe you believe that. Yeah, I'm going to make it till the end of my life. But the question that some of us are asking is, but can I make it through the end of this week? Better yet, can I, do I have what it takes to make it through today? I want to just be able to make it through today. I don't need strength for like the rest of my life. I just, I just want to know if there's going to be strength for today. And the good news is that in the Again, the treasure chest of promises that God gave to you. When you put your trust in Christ, God didn't just give you heaven and forgiveness, but he gives you this massive inheritance. And he says, here, my child, all this is yours. And in this treasure chest, as you open it up, there's a dispensation, a promise that says you will have whatever you need. I'm going to get you through today. I promise you that I'm going to get you through today. And so we're going to look at this word from Lament. This is one of my, maybe, if you hold a gun to my head, I may say this is my favorite passage in the Bible. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 uh, through 24. Uh, This is a powerful promise that God gives to us so that when we get to the evening, uh, we'll still be singing the song of God. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. 24. I'm going to read it and then I'll kind of 
throw some context into it. Uh, the word of God, the prophet says, I remember my affliction, bad thing, and my wandering, a bad thing, the bitterness and the gall, all these bad things. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. This is God's word. Uh, Many a song, many a hymn has been written on this passage. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, our Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. One of the great hymns that is based on this. There's another one. I think the first, uh, one of the first songs I learned on my guitar, to play on guitar, old hymn, because it's the first one because D, G, A, E minor, very simple. Uh, Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials there. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I've no need for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives to us each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. Many hymns that are written based on this passage of Scripture of God's faithfulness that never ends. We sing songs like that. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, our Father. We sing songs like that during times like uh, birthday parties or weddings. We sing them uh, sometimes at graduation parties or at these times of great celebration, child's birthday, like child turns one or uh, a grown-up turns uh, 30 or 40 or 50, whatever it is. Uh, We sing them in in times looking back at the faithfulness of God and all of the great things that that we've, we've gotten to in this this, this grand moment in life, we celebrate the faithfulness of God. But its original context was not a good time, was not a time of celebration. In fact, it was a time of great darkness. It was written, Lamentations, most will say that it was written by the weeping prophet Jeremiah, weeping because he wept over the brokenness in his land or in the brokenness of his nation. And as Jeremiah was writing, he's sitting amidst the rubble, right, maybe 10 years or so after Jerusalem has been destroyed. Jerusalem is like a zombie wasteland, apocalyptic wasteland. Everything has been just ravaged and torn apart. And he talks about a time. It's this time where everything bad is happening. They've been exiled. We talked about that last week. But it got so bad that there was no food. There was a famine in the land for the people of God. Babies were dying. And it got so bad that mothers had to eat their own children in order to stay alive. That was a situation for the people of God. And as Jeremiah is looking around, he remembers all of that stuff. He remembers the affliction, the wandering, the bitterness, and the call. He remembers all of that stuff. And it's in that context that he writes about the faithfulness of God. And in these three verses, I think, are, are many things, but the way that I see them, at least three promises that God gives to us so that we can be singing when the evening comes. The first thing is this, that God's love will keep you from being overwhelmed by your afflictions. God's love will keep you from being overwhelmed, overcome by your 
affliction. So they're thinking about Babylon, thinking about the destruction of, of the temple. Thinking, man, imagine our, 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 our new building. If someone came and they destroyed it and they burned it to the ground and, and none of this was here and then we got taken away. He's thinking about all of these things and he's thinking about the devastation in his land and the devastation to his people. That's what he's sitting in the ash and the rubble of all that. And he's thinking about all of these things when this declaration of faith comes out. At the end of uh, 2016, uh, a lot of us were there. We had a, a worship service and two worship services, one looking back on 2016, a slideshow DVD, looking at all that had happened, and then a, a worship service to, to ring in the new year. We were praying and asking for God's blessings in the new year. And in between, we had a time of prayer, about 10 minutes to pray before we hit midnight. And as I was praying, I was reflecting upon everything that 2016 was. And I know in, in the world, they say 2016 was a hard year. Uh, I don't think 2016 was an easy year for me. It wasn't an easy year for our family. Um, we had uh, you know, different hardships and different challenges. Uh, a lot of them were, you know, Olivia and I were, were wondering, you know, how are, how are we doing as, as parents? We feel like we're, we're struggling in so many ways. We feel like our, uh, our kids are going through the terrible twos and threes and fours and fives and sixes and sevens. And like we wake up one morning and the kids have all gone through puberty and they're adolescents, but they're like still little. And we're like, man, what are we, what are we doing? And it, it was hard. And many moments of frustration and, and asking for wisdom and feeling like we're, we're, we're falling apart and getting to the end of the day and feeling so beat up and thinking about all that was going on as we raise children and, and, and as we just live life and in, in, in ministry and church and, and many times where I felt like, man, this is, and I'm, 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 I think uh, I'm a pretty optimistic. I'm, I'm very hopeful. I feel like, yeah, God is beside us and God is behind us. And, and yet 2016 was not easy. And as I was thinking about that, thinking about uh, prayers that were prayed and journal entries that were written, of, in the midst of all of that, the one prayer, and the only thing I could pray was, God, thank you for being so faithful to us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you were faithful. Thank you that you were there. Thank you that you held us. Thank you that you never let us go. Thank you that you never let us down. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you're true to our, your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. That's all I could think of was, God, you are faithful because we're here. We made it. We're standing. We're praying. We're seeking. We want more of you. God, thank you that you are faithful. And that's what Jeremiah is saying here. In the midst of the ruin and the destruction and the rubble. He's thinking about that. And then he says in verse 21, yet this I call to mind. This is what I think about. He says in verse 22, because of the great Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Think, if God had withdrawn his love for us, we would have completely fallen apart. We would have completely fallen apart. As a church, as a family, as a man, I would have fallen apart if God had withdrawn his hand from me. And he's saying, this is what would have happened for the people of God. Yeah, we went through some hard times, but it's only because of God's love that our afflictions did not overtake us, overwhelm us, overcome us. And he says, this I have to recall to mind. Because here's our problem, guys. We so often live with a baseline of entitlement that says, if something bad happens to my life, then something is wrong with God. He let me down. 
he failed me. He wasn't true to his promises. Because we live in such a, and, and this is, this is so much more now than it has been in years past. In fact, people will say, if there's one word to describe the current climate of America, it's a sense of entitlement that says, I deserve better. You see it every time I drive down 528. I can't go a mile or two without seeing attorney Dan Newland or some attorney and some happy guy with a fake big old check, $500,000. My attorney got me $500,000 because of this accident. My attorney got me a million dollars because somebody spit on me. My attorney got me all of this money and we fit. get what you deserve. Sue them because you deserve all of this stuff. The sense in which they owe us something, the world owes us something that we feel entitled to all of these things. So if something bad happens, something's wrong with the world. Something's wrong with God. I deserve better than this. Isn't that what we say? Jeremiah is saying, no, 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 no. What is your baseline? Is your baseline that you're a pretty good person? Therefore, pretty good things should happen to you. And if something bad happens to you, then something's wrong with the universe. Or is the baseline, I'm a sinner and the wages of sin is death. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if something bad happens to me, that's what I deserve. But if something bad doesn't happen to me, that's called mercy. And if something good happens to me, that's called grace. This is our biblical baseline. We don't deserve anything. It's like this. I thought about this. What What if the way I treat God is the way I treated Olivia, my wife? So once a week, I'll come to her and I'll say, I love you. I really love you. I I am completely devoted to you. I will lift my hands to tell you how much I love you. I will weep because I love you. And I will make promises that this week I'm going to love you with everything within me. I'm going to read your letters that you wrote to me. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to give you everything I am and give you all of my heart. And I say that on Sunday, but come Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the week, I ignore her. She says, what about your promises? I say, don't worry about that. I know you love me, sweetie. I'm going to come back to you and you're going to love me. And next Sunday, I'll make the same promises to you. That's on a good side. But others of us, we come and we have no desire to sing these songs of love with any desire, with any devotion in our heart, but we do it. I love you. I love you, Olivia. Yeah, I love you. You know, and, and I'll sing that song. Yeah, because that's what it seems like other people are doing. But there's no desire in my heart to follow her. How long would she stay with me? How long would she say, yeah, that's, uh, that's a, this is a great marriage. Like, this is awesome. A week? Two weeks? A month? What if year after year after year? I treated Olivia like that. And then one day she said, you know what? And she packs up her stuff. I go into the house and nothing is there. I said, what is wrong with you? Like, how could you abandon me like that? You're, you're so awful. Are you kidding me? I deserve so much better. How could you do that to me after all that I've done for you? Don't you know that I married you? I love you. I gave my heart to you. I tell you every week that I'm going to love you. How could you do this to me? I deserve better. I would be a fool to think that way. I would be a fool to think that she should stay with me if I treat her that way. But that's how we treat God so often. And then we feel entitled like, God, you owe me all these things. Why aren't you answering my prayers? Why aren't you pulling through for me? Why you do dirty like that to me, God? How are you going to do that to me? Every week I go to church. Every week I sing my songs to you. But that's this culture of entitlement that says you deserve better. You deserve better. But here's what he's saying. No, the fact that challenges have come, that doesn't mean that God has withdrawn his love. In fact, if it were not for his love, we would have fallen apart. 
think about the moments of your life, the pain and the hardship of your life. Think about if God was not there in those times. Would not many of us have taken our lives already? Because of the Lord's great love, it says we're not consumed. In fact, it says for his compassions never fail. Nobody talks like that. Oh my gosh, you know what? Hey, you're such a good person. You have so much compassions for me. Nobody talks like that. What do you say? You have compassion. What is he saying? He's saying God's compassion is a compassion upon compassion upon compassion upon compassion and on and on and on and on it goes. It's never ending in its undeserved compassion that he shows to us. Sit here, the reason why you're still here, you're still alive, even after all that you've gone through, your financial hardship, your physical ailments, the sickness that you had, the upbringing that you had, all of those challenges, the only reason you're still here, here, is because of God's great love. Whether you knew it or not, he was watching over you, loving you, sustaining you, so that your afflictions did not overwhelm you. He says, remember this. As you sit in the midst of the rubble of Babylon, remember that it's because of his great love that you're not consumed. That's the first thing. Second thing that we see, when we see this in verse 23, is that God will give you everything you need. He'll give you what you need in order to make it through the day. God will give you what you need in order to make it through the day. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I, I, I mentioned how uh, I, I mentioned a Blue Apron real briefly during our uh, announcements. But Olivia and I, yeah, they have these. Uh, you can get a free trial of Blue Apron. It's a meal delivery service where they have these like beautiful uh, meals. They say you can have this delivered to your door for ten dollars, but if you use this coupon code, you could get three meals for free. And so we said, let's try it. So I get this package from Blue Apron. It's like beautiful, nicely, nicely decorated. It's got these three menus, like just really good looking menus. The food, the, the you know, whoever created and put these together and took the pictures did a great job. I don't even know what some of these things are. Pibble, pork, right, with uh, sauteed mushrooms and kale or something like that. It looked really good, beautiful. There was an Indonesian style salmon with some kind of vegetables I don't, I don't care about, and then so these other things. And I was looking at it, I was like, man, this looks really, really amazing. But what if I, the novice chef, who cooks like a college male who needs to order my food from <laughs> my, our friends at church, if I cook like that, I look at these things, and say, how, how am I ever going to make this? I don't have what it takes. Thankfully, here's the beauty of Blue Apron is that everything that you need to make it comes in this box delivered to your door. Sometimes we look at our day. We look at all that we've got to do. How am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? And God says, listen, everything that you need, everything that you need is going to be delivered to you. Do you believe it? When is it going to come? They are new every morning. So every day, <coughs> so every day, he gives you strength that you need 
for that day. Right? He doesn't give you, again, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't give you two days worth of strength today. He says, no, no, no. Every day I give you strength that you need to make it through today. It's all I give you. It's like manna from heaven each day. You can't store it up or it'll go bad. You got to get it afresh every day. There's a uh, conference that I've been speaking at for the past maybe four or five years called uh, Joshua Generation. J. Jen is out in Indiana. It's a, a youth conference that kind of uh, youth students from about maybe 20 to 30 different states come out, and it's a really like great, 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 powerful time of worship, uh, prayer, the word, seeking God. Uh, but every morning, every morning, the first song that we would sing, first song that we would sing is a song based off of this verse. It's a cry that, God, I need you. The song says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. New every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Great is thy faithfulness. And every morning we would sing this song and we would sing it. And it's this sound of a thousand voices rising up to the heavens. And then we stop. And then the second time we sing it, the men, the brothers, the young men will sing this song, saying, God, we need your strength today. And as the men sing it over the women, the women are praying, Lord, God, give these men the strength so that they could follow you, so they could love you, they could honor you, they could be men of honor who would lay down their lives for the women that they would call their wives one day. Lord, bless them and strengthen them. This roar of hundreds of men just singing this song. And then the third time we sing it, this beautiful, melodic, angelic voices of the sisters rising up as the men pray for them. It's a powerful thing. God, we need your mercy We can't make it through another day without the promise of God that says that your compassions will be new every morning. We need your strength every day in order to make it. Do you believe that you need this? Because sometimes I feel like I don't. But the promise of God reminds me that he gives us what we need in order to make it. See, this is kind of interesting. Uh, Day by day, he gives us strength on uh, a little glimpse into my sermon process. Uh, so we have next you know, couple months mapped out where we're going to go, our, our sermon text and our passage and all that stuff. And, and so we begin uh, well in advance. But uh, on Tuesday, just taking apart the text, reading, uh, meditating, looking at different people's thoughts on it. Wednesday, just hammering it out. And then come Friday, it's just going through and making sure, uh, typing everything out and, and, and getting it into its flow. And, and so Friday... Uh, my plan was I'm going uh, to get out in the morning, I'm going to drop Elijah off at school, and then I'm going to hit up a coffee shop for a couple hours. So I had a meeting downtown at 1145, uh, this board meeting uh, for, for something or other. And so as I was going out in the morning, I realized, oh, stink, I left my wallet at home, which typically wouldn't, you know, it's not too big a deal, except that the meeting I had downtown, uh, I had to pay for parking in a parking garage. And so uh, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't lose it. So I called Olive and I said, hey, uh, I think I left my wallet. And she's like, yeah, I think I could find it. Do you want me to bring it out to you? But she had mom's group that day and I didn't want her to come out and, uh, and be late for that. So uh, I said, no, don't worry about it. I'll, uh, God promised that he's going to give me what I need to get through the day. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm preaching this, right? I better believe it, right? So I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray and, and uh, I know God's going to come through. 
So I said, Lord, uh, I believe that you want me to be able to testify to our people <laughs> that you are good, 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 never going to let me down. And so I said, uh, I just need, all I need is $6. It's not a lot. You could drop it on the floor or whatever you want to do. Uh, I just need $6. Jesus' name, amen. And I was typing and doing some work. And I'm at this like Dunkin' Donuts. I've never done work here before ever in my life. I'm just doing some work. And then about an hour before I have to leave, a friend of mine walks in the door. And I was like, yo, what do you, this is like 1030, right? 1030, he's working and he's, he doesn't have the kind of job where he's able to just get out and about. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. I got to hurry because I got two people at the office waiting for me. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I, I, I just, I, I wanted to get a couple of donuts. I was like, here, let me get you a couple of donuts because you know what? You're an answer to my prayer. And so I had an app on my phone so I could pay for Dunkin' Donuts. He bought two donuts for a dollar. I was like, dude, you're an answer to prayer because I need cash. You got any cash on me? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you need? What do you need? I said, I just need six bucks. He gave me $40. I'm like, dude, I don't need a... <laughs> I paid a dollar... He gave me a $39 tip. I was like, bro, I don't need that. Uh, and I gave him back the 20 and I, I have $14 to give him. But I said, yeah, I, was, I needed this cash, and I, I didn't have it, so I was praying. And he's like, you know what? I never come here. I never eat donuts, but I just felt this nudge to come into Dunkin' Donuts this morning. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> God gives us what we need in order to make it through. That. I don't know what I'd done if, if he didn't show up. I just roll up there and I get to the, to the person paying and I just, hey, can you just open the gate real quick? I just want to see if it works. I don't know what I would have done. But God doesn't want me to do that. He doesn't want me to break through those, those gates in the parking garage. And he's saying, hey, I, I'm going to be faithful. I'll give you what you need in order to get through the day. And listen, if he's led us, this, I, I love that line in that song that says, you've never failed and you won't start now. God has been faithful all the years of our lives. Why would he decide February 5th, 2017? Yeah, you know what? I'm just going to trick him. I'm going to fail him. No, he doesn't do that. Yesterday, our, our house church shepherds were meeting, and we're just sharing our testimony. So to me, it was like a really powerful time as I shared my testimony with a brother, and he shared with me. And, and then at the end, uh, our shepherd said, we want to hear from Brother Seho. We want to hear his testimony because he was a bad man back in the day. They wanted to hear in all of its gory detail. But... Uh, it was really, I mean, it, it, there was no glorification about the bad stuff of his life, but he's just celebrating God's faithfulness. And all of the things that, all of the hardship uh, and how in every difficulty, in every pain, God was there and he used that in such a powerful way in his life. And then he said, God never failed me in my yesterdays. I can always trust him for my future. He's never failed and he won't start now. He will give you what you need to get through the day. And then when you put your head down to sleep, it's a promise that when you wake up in the morning that God will give you what you need to get through the next day and the next and the next. As your days, your strength will be in measure. This, the promise to me, he has made. And this is what he's saying. We get overcome when we think about, but 21 days of Daniel fast, a whole junior year that's coming, I don't think I can handle it. I remember reading this story about uh, this 
mentally, physically handicapped boy named Oliver, severe handicaps. And so his dad spent 32 years of his life caring for Oliver until Oliver passed away at the age of 32. And people would testify. They would say, you know what, this is, even though Oliver's so uh, twisted physically and mentally and, and, and just has, needs so much help, dad and their family is so willing to do it. And their family, they, people would say, I've never seen a family with so much joy in their lives. Isn't that crazy how sometimes that happens? And so after Oliver passed away, Oliver's brother uh, said to his dad, he said, dad, how did you do it? All of these years, all of these years, how did you take care of Oliver? How did you love him? And for 32 years, And he says, this is what he said. This is great. I love this. He said, I never thought about the endless succession of tomorrows that I needed to take care of Oliver. I just woke up and I said, do I have what it takes to take care of Oliver today? Will God give me what I need to take care of Oliver today? And every day I said, yes, he will. So I took care of Oliver. The next day, same thing again. 32 years later, they became a picture of joy in the face of trials. Because God gives us what we need to get through the day. And please don't get caught up in the endless succession of tomorrows. But live each day in the strength that God gives to us. Every morning, you go get it. He's never too early and he's never too late. He'll always give it to you when you need it. Second thing, last thing. God, not his gifts, is enough for you. My God is enough for you. Verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Literally, he says, I repeatedly say to myself. He's saying, the Lord is my portion. 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 Therefore, I'll wait for him. A lot of songs that I grew up singing, Father, you are my portion in this life. And you are so pure and so kind. What does that mean? You are my portion. The only time we ever talk about that is, ah, I can't eat too much. I'm exercising portion control, right? That's how we talk about this word, portion. Like no one else really uses this word, but in like so many times, I didn't do a search in the Bible, but so many times the Bible says portion. Like, what does that mean? Like a portion of cake, portion of this and that. So many other, I believe you're my healer. There's a great song that came out by Planet Shakers that I believe you're my portion. You're more than enough for me. Like on and on, you know, these different songs about God being our portion. But what does that mean? We have to kind of define the terms here. In the book of Numbers, in the book of Numbers, there's this uh, part where the 12 tribes of Israel are about to enter into the promised land, right? They're about to enter into the promised land. And for each of the tribes, they got a different portion of the land. Right? This was theirs. But the land was only divided into 11 portions instead of 12. And so who got left out? It was the Levites who were the priestly line. And the, pre, the, the Levites were like, dude, what's up with ours? And here's what God says. He says, you don't have a portion in the land. Why? Because I am your portion. Because I am the one 
who will satisfy you because I can give you everything that you need and I will be more than enough for you. And so when he says, I repeatedly say to myself, the Lord is my portion, the Lord is my portion, the Lord is my portion. Here's what he's getting us to see, that all of the hardships and all of the destruction and all of the devastation and all of the stripping is getting us to a place where we are forced to ask ourselves, is God enough for me? Is he everything that I need in life? Or do I need what he gives to me? So as I'm meditating upon this passage, I'm sitting at home with Elise, and she says, Daddy, can I have a cheese stick, polio string cheese? I said, okay, Elise, I'll get it for you. So I went to the refrigerator, opened the drawer, I got out polio string cheese. And I, as I was opening it for her, I said, Elise, I sat her up on our, on our kimchi refrigerator. I sat her up there. I said, Elise, do you love Daddy or do you love the things Daddy gives to you? She said, I love the things daddy gives to me. <laughs> and I thought that was funny, just like you did. And so I laughed. But surely she didn't understand the question. So to make it simpler and to eliminate rival idols, I said, Elise, do you love daddy? And she said, and she's like kicking her legs. And she's like, I love the things daddy gives to me. <laughs> I said, what about me? And I threw the cheese stick at her, and I said, you get your own cheese. I'm just kidding. But I said, I love you, Elise, even though you don't understand. And I said, God, why is my child like that? And God said to me, why is my child like that? And I said, dang. I said, God, you're funny. I said, as funny as Elise is, but I wonder sometimes, you know, is God enough? Do I love God even when he doesn't give me what I want? Do I love God when I don't get into the college I want to get into? Do I love God when I don't get my prayer answered the way that I want? Do I love God when all my prayers are for my family, but my family is, doesn't look the way that I want it to look? Do I still love, is he, is he enough for me when everything around me looks like it's lying in ruins? Is God enough for me? He enough for you. The song I, I wanted to sing it. I was I was hesitating to sing it. We're not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But when it came out, it was so good. And I remember it's, it's called enough, right? All of you is more than enough for all of me. For every. I don't know how, but all I have in you is more than enough. And as I was thinking about that song this week, like, man, somewhere along the line, man, I feel like, I feel like I need you and something else. And I'm sorry, God. Somewhere along the line, I, I feel like I need you plus something. How do we get back to that place? I repent. God, I want you to be everything to me. Where if I had nothing, but I still had you, that would be enough. 
that I don't need the cheese sticks and I don't need the toys and I don't need all of these things. I just, I just need you. That's all I need. That's all I want. That's all that I could ever ask for. It's like in, in Anne of Green Gables. I haven't watched it, mind you, but I know this quote where Anne says to Gilbert, I don't want sunbursts or marble halls. I just want you. That's what it means when Jesus is our portion. Like, I don't need the sunset. I don't need the glories. I don't need any of these things. I just want you. And in this cosmic reversal of love that makes no sense, Jesus says to you and to me, I don't need sunbursts or marble halls. I want you. And because heaven wasn't heaven without us, Jesus brought heaven to earth. And he came into our world. And everywhere he went, there were tokens of the kingdom of heaven given out so that people could say, dang, what you have, I want that. I want to follow you as my king. And ultimately, this king, out of love for you and out of love for me, would allow himself to be nailed to a cross. And he says, this, this is how much I want to show you that I don't need all of that stuff. It's how much I want to show that you're all I want. And you're the reason I came to this earth. That kind of a love pursues after you and for me. That kind of a love says, I will always be faithful. I will always give you what I need. In fact, that kind of love is what's kept you from being devastated and overwhelmed by life. And it's that kind of love, he says, when it fills your heart, it will be more than enough for you. But you can wait for him. I, I think, I've, I think I've, I've, I've mentioned this before because Olive says I have. But when we repeatedly say to ourselves, the Lord is my portion, Therefore, I will wait for him. If he's all that we need, and we wait, we don't go running after other loves. We don't think maybe there's someone better out there than God. We don't try to fix and solve all of our problems apart from the wisdom of God. We wait, we hope, we trust with faith in him. In 1924, in, in Japan, there was a professor named Professor Ueno. He uh, taught agriculture, I think, at the University of Tokyo. And every day, uh, he would take this subway, Shibuya Station, and he would go to University of Tokyo. 1924, he gets this dog. I think it's a Shiba Inu or something like that. He gets this dog, cute little dog, and he names it Hachiko. Hachi for short. He calls it this dog, and, and he loves this dog, and the dog loves its owner. He hugs it. He kisses it. This been, you know, it's dog's been immortalized in a couple movies and statues now that came out and at that train station. But when he was going to work that first day, the dog followed him to the train station. And he's like, go, you can't ride on the train with me. And so the dog sits, and he waits, and as the train leaves, then Hachi goes back home. And then somehow he knows that his master will come back on that same train. And so he hangs out at the Shibuya train station. And the professor comes back and he, oh my goodness, Hachi has been waiting for me. Hugs, hey, and let's walk back home. So for a year this happens, 1924 until 1925. And sometime in the spring of 1925, while he's giving a lecture, Professor Ueno has a massive hemorrhage. And he dies. The problem is, he didn't tell Hachi. 
And nobody told Hatch. In fact, even if they did, he wouldn't have understood. And so these eyewitnesses who had seen this interaction happen for the past year plus see the dog continually come, but they don't see Professor Ueno with him. But every day, Hachi comes back and he waits. And every day he comes back and he waits. And every day he comes back for nine years and nine months and 15 days until he dies. He says, because he was my portion, he was my everything. I will wait for him. No other love, no other master, no other desire but him. God says, I will give you everything you need to get through every day of your life. Say that to yourself. Repeat that to yourself. And then wait upon the Lord. Let's pray. Our God promises... Uh, He promises that not only will he give you strength to make it until the end of your days, but he promises that he will give you strength to make it through the day. You believe him when he says that. You're standing, you're sitting, you're here because of that promise. Because God has been faithful. God has been ever faithful to us compassions have never failed is because of the Lord's great love that we've not been consumed. Do you need strength today to live for the Lord God? You need strength to make it through today? Let's ask the Lord God for that. Pray, God, I need your strength. Lord, I need you. I need you to be my everything. I need you to be everything to me. I need you to be so much more than I've made you to be. Father, I confess that In many ways, I've said I needed you alone, but I've lived as if I needed you and something else. I have not waited for you. Instead, I've run to other lovers because they were more immediate. They were more medicating. They were more pleasurable in the moment. And God, I I can't live like that because they never gave me the strength that I needed because that strength always faded. But God of love, God of mercy, God of everlasting kindness, who treats us not as our sins deserve, but gives us grace upon grace. Oh, Lord, I need you. Would you give me the strength that I need to make it through the day and then then convict me, remind me, show me. When I wake up tomorrow morning, the first thing, first light I see, that I would ask you for the morning strength that I need in order to make it through the day, to honor you, to take one step closer to Jesus. Let's pray. Let's pray for that strength in our lives and pray for that strength in the lives of people that you know, friends that you have, those who have confessed their need, their struggles. Let's pray for God's strength in their lives as well. Let's take a few minutes to pray. Lord, I need the strength that you alone can give to me. Help me, Lord God. (laughs) Let's make that our prayer to the Lord today.
prepare to come to the uh, Lord's Supper, to the communion table for those of Professor Faith in Christ. Let's examine our hearts to see if there are things within us that may not be honoring to the Lord. Let's ask the Lord that he would purify our hearts, that he would give us a single-minded focus on Christ, and that our desire would be to live for him. Let's pray for our hearts to be renewed, to be restored in our love for Jesus. Let's pray for that that cleansing flood, the blood of Jesus to wash over us. Let's spend a couple moments preparing our hearts to come to uh, the Lord's table. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Good things do come. Even the world says to those who wait, and you are the greatest one, the all-sufficient one, the all-satisfying one. Infinite worth, worth waiting for. We pray that you would be first in our hearts, first in our lives first in our mornings, first in our days, and that as we give you that time, that you would fill us with the strength that we need in order to honor you, not just survive, not just make it, but really to honor you throughout our day. Thank you so much. We love you because you've loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.